Hey, what's up guys? Just want to give you a quick heads up that the audio in this one is a little screwed up. Um, we didn't realize that Allie's mic wasn't on, so hers was picking up off of mine. Uh, I tried to get the audio levels to sound kind of right, but it's still it's still going to be a little off. Um, just want to give you a heads up going to this. Still a really good episode, and we had a great interview with Justice, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. But remember, check your audio levels, kids, before you start recording, because then, then this happens. Uh, yeah, enjoy the show. What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Deichman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. And also with us this week is... Justice Armin. Hey! That's right, and this week we'll be talking about Justice Armin himself, <laughs> and along with that, uh, writing third-party content, as well as answering some listener questions at the end. Trevor, how are your games this week? Um, well, I, I've, I'm going to point this out first. We're not being rude guests. Justice doesn't have any games. I don't have any, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Hey, you made an awesome skeleton graveyard Halloween thing. I <laughs> I feel like that time was better spent. No, no offense, my group. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see. God, what happened? Oh, um, so my group is now going towards the big confrontation with all the big bad guys. Yes. They're flying through the air over Cholt. Um, I put in the thing to allow them to possibly survive. And I used Mrs. Fox. Oh, right, right, right. You said so, you're going to pull in the... So... For people who watched uh, Dice Camera Action, uh, there is a character named Mr. Fox, uh, and I kind of jumped off that idea that Chris Perkins has, and I made a character who was Mrs. Fox, and in my head, like, the wife of this character. And awesome. she kind of has a TARDIS house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, her house just pops up in places, so they're flying above the, the jungles of Chol, and there's just suddenly a two-story house with a chimney on top of a tree. As long as it's not dropped on somebody with red slippers. It's true, it's true. Uh, so they went down to investigate. Um Ended up going inside and talking to her, and she was very nice about it, and she just kindly informed them that they were all going to die. Hmm. As you do. Uh, they immediately thought they meant that she meant herself was going to kill them and got ready. And she's like, no, 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 no. I made cookies. They're fine. Um, but uh, she... Now, this isn't like a meta-knowledge them. They were there when this happened. Um, she asked for one of them to hear a proposal of hers alone. Uh, my sister Chrissy did it, and she said, look, I have this thing called the Orb of Tiamat. Oh. Uh, mm. Long story short, this thing basically acts like a Pokeball for dragons, yeah. but you have to touch them. And so she's like, you can use this on Clouth. <laughs> mm. But in exchange, uh, I get possession of your soul, but not, not like in, I, I'm taking it from you. You're still connected to it. You're still going to have emotions, everything, but it's just in my possession. And she did it. She, she, she took the orb. <laughs> yeah, she took the orb. And I was like, it's going to be awesome. I love this. It's great. Um, yeah. And then Kyle was really excited because she made him a doggy bag of more cookies. So, uh, but yeah, you so know, now they're this little of that. Yeah. You know. So that should be interesting to see what happens with this. I just love throwing more shit at myself to figure out later. <laughs> uh, but how are your games, Allie? <laughs> they were fun. Um, so on Saturday, I actually had the wonderful chance to play the one of the Hellbound Heists. 
that uh, Justin, not particularly exactly him, wrote, <laughs> helped write. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. Um, to sum it up, I think the best way to say it is I did have one player death, but it was to his own bag of holding. Uh, it wasn't a bag of holding, it was a bag of devour. Oh, okay, that made way more sense. I'm like, did he just jump in and close it behind him? <laughs> he wanted to use it as an improvised weapon. The crit failed. And he crit, he, he confirmed crit failed too, so I gave him a couple chances, and then he 50% chanced it, and really badly. Everyone tried to help him. Okay. Didn't, mm. no. Okay. Didn't do so hot. No, and it was great. <laughs> okay, that's, um, yeah. That's a, all right. <laughs> um, the entire, it was a fun heist. <laughs> awesome. At first, they didn't realize that they were doing a heist. They're like, oh man, we're in hell. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, how do we survive? I'm like, and then they're like, oh, well, maybe because I use the whole like instead of the reward of like, oh yeah, you guys just get cool stuff. I'm like, you're actually finished Baldur's Gate. You did exactly what you were doing, and then I kind of changed it a little bit, tweaked about the end goal of Baldur's Gate, and it's like, okay, now you just need to get out. <laughs> so they're going through the levels of hell, trying to find a way out. Not really oh, awesome. They should probably go the other way up. Or something. Yeah, I was about to say, hey, it's going to get a little bit worse as they go down. I was like, are they taking the, the Dante Alighieri method to it? It's like, we got to go down to get out. <laughs> They're going to get a surprise. <laughs> and like, I literally printed out the contract that was in the back of the book. And <laughs> they had a lot of fun because we actually had a moment of like 10 minutes of back and forth, like strikeouts and like siding and add in to the contract until they were like, finally, you're getting us a way out. And this is how we're doing it. And the devil completely complied and it worked out in the end oh my great. god awesome <laughs> that sounds fantastic one of them did it, <laughs> How? it well, that's fantastic <laughs> uh the, those are your games yeah all right well we're gonna switch over real quick to dungeon keeping uh it's just real short because we don't have any nudes we're not nudes we're not checking any news <laughs> no this is not that kind of podcast <laughs> the broadsheet broad yeah we don't have anything for that uh we just got one dungeon keeping it's a reminder that we're doing the xanathar review in a few episodes yep. oh. if you have any uh, any questions, comments, or your own reviews of that book, you can send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we'll talk about them during that awesome, fun filled episode about a beholder and his goldfish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's all we got. So we're just going to move into topic number one, which is justice. Hello. Hello. Uh, it, for, for people who don't know who you are, which is sad because they should. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Give us the elevator pitch of Justice Armin. Um, so I am a clinic manager based in Central Texas who really likes to write D&D stuff. Um, I started writing on the DMs Guild uh, this year. Um, actually, I, I wrote something for Halloween, coincidentally, last year. Mm -hmm. um, threw it up on there for fun. It was mostly was, uh... just my, my notes for my session. That was Heart Hunt, right? That was Heart Hunt. I, you know, yeah. I don't advocate any goes anybody goes to download it because the maps, they're hand-drawn. They're terrible. Hey, no, uh, that's fine. Hand-drawn maps are great. It is a dollar, though. So, I mean, hey. maybe it it's just a dollar. Um, yeah. And I threw that up there. And then, you know, I saw this um, contest by M.T. Black, <clears throat> who's like a pretty big DMs Guild creator. He's a, he's one of the Guild Adepts. So he wrote for um, Baldur's Gate. Um, oh, and, wow. Uh, he threw out this contest for one page adventures um, called the lonely scroll. And I was like, I can do one page, right? I can write one page. It was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, 
when I finished that, I was waiting on the results. I turned it in super early and he's like, the winner will be chosen in like three months. I was like, well, I guess I'll write something else in the meantime. And uh, yeah, I just never stopped writing. The, <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I, I have written down here that uh, about the lonely scroll thing. I remember seeing that post and I had the thought, I'm like, oh, I should do that. And then I didn't because I was, you know, sucked into an office job at the yeah. time and <laughs> I should have. Uh, but, but yeah, so like, I, so I wrote down your portfolio. Uh-oh. And uh, so you got part <laughs> hunt. not very big. <laughs> hey, this is, imp- hey, the fact that you started doing this a year ago, I think is super impressive. Like, you, you know, know I actually, hunt. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, I didn't even know I made money off that adventure until like July of this year. I like got into my DMs Guild account to do this, to give the email to Empty Black for this contest submission. And I had 50 something bucks in there. And I was like, what the heck? I was That's like, did I get hacked? That's the best surprise ever. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I must have got hacked. Somebody put money in my account or something. There must be an if error. That's what ha- getting hacked on DMs Guild is. I'm fine with it. You know, Robin Hood hackers <laughs> just taking somebody's money, giving it out to the new creators. Uh, but yeah, I checked on there. I was like, did somebody pay me for my writing? I had put it up as pay what you want. But like, I think it got some like 1300 downloads. And of that, like, 90 wow. people gave me a, a, a dollar and then you you take half of that for the cut of the guild and uh, i was like hey somebody likes my writing maybe i should do some more that's <laughs> awesome super random so, so so you started with that and then you did oath of the azir right yeah yeah and that one was just yeah. fun that one i didn't know existed i looked at it it's a it's a paladin oath for like being like of thor and odin and stuff like that's yeah. sick <laughs> yeah and, and you know the whole preview for the class it's like totally on there so it's one of those ones where like especially with that being like my second title or something people can see what it is decide whether or not they like it and if they want to support it you know i think that's fantastic i think that's a great way to do it because yeah there's a lot of questions especially when it comes to a class of like yeah. am i gonna like this mm-hmm. um but that's fantastic like i'm i'm probably gonna go get that one because that's you should great. get it it's super cool <laughs> Um, and then uh, one that we actually spotlit here before we even knew you, which is Devil's Advocate, which is a fantastic idea, especially with uh, Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus coming out. And I, I, I read through it; and it's fantastic. I yeah. think because because like again, I didn't know you at the time. I'm sitting at my office job and I'm looking at the preview when I shouldn't be. I can say that now. They don't hire me anymore. Screw them. Uh, <laughs> It's okay. I'm still employed and I do do that as well. Hey, so, but they're um, not going to be on this. But like I, I, I was like when I opened it up, I'm just like, ah, all right, we'll just see how this is. But And then I'm like, I was not prepared for the amount of research this man did. Good <laughs> like, I'm sitting there learning shit. <laughs> Those are legit elements of a contract too. Like, yeah. like inspired by a health law course I took. Oh my um, God. On that's contract so law. good. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that one was fantastic. And like we said, we spotlit it here. That's how you how we first started talking. Yeah. Uh, did Lonely Scroll, and then of course the recent Hellbound Heist that you uh, did a uh, six six the sixty six six to Mephistar. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I say Mephistar. It's like the capital Mephistar. city of Cadia. Um, yeah. So Mephistopheles lives there. He's apparently really conceited. Um, and named As it after one does. himself. So yeah, I mean, he's a devil. Why not? Yeah, uh, and that's the one that I didn't even know that you wrote and was gushing about <laughs> during the spotlight of like, there's a train heist in hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. I appreciate it. Like honestly, I think that's the one I'm going to be running with my home game, mm-hmm. the game that I do, because 
I don't want to really do Baldur's Gate campaign, but I do want to take him down to hell. Well, like I, I when I finally do that one, like it's I'm styling like Suicide Squad, but I really want to find a way to do that train heist one. Yes, I want to find a way to like be like suddenly you're now here. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, Brian Holmes, the guy who led the project, mm-hmm. he was the one who came up with the name because uh, I wanted something kind of westerny and mm-hmm. like very three ten to Yuma, and uh, it, it's super cool because you can you can you know your your characters by that point, you can pick which cars you want to challenge them with. Yeah. Or you can throw all of them in there and then just kill them. I mean, <laughs> brutal. Yeah, you know, it's, it's we'll, we'll see what kind of fun your group wants to have. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the uh, that is quite a portfolio for starting this year. Yeah. And so, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are going like, wait, you started this year and you have a, a gold on <laughs> DMs Guild. <laughs> it's actually platinum now. Holy shit, congrats. Is, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it went plat like a few weeks back. That's so cool. Yeah. I'd like, like another one. Yeah. Hey, get as many of them as you can. Like that is not something that you should be ashamed of being greedy about. You want as many plats as possible. You know, it feels kind of like Reddit karma, like the metal. We were trying to see if they could like ship it in the mail to us, like uh, YouTube things or something, but they won't do it. And none of us can license this stuff. That'd be so cool. They just send you like a platinum scroll. A little enamel pin or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something. That'd be so cool. Let's ignore that. I just dropped something. Ah, no, it's fine. We drop shit all the time, people. Don't <laughs> Especially when I drop a whole bag of dice on the table and all of the mics pick them up. That's great. Oh, great. I'm probably just making our listeners deaf. <laughs> um, so I, I, I looked at your website, get a little bit about you, and it said that you started D&D in 2013 with uh, mm-hmm. Beethoven. Is that your character's name? Beethoven, yeah. <laughs> Beethoven. Beethoven or something like Yeah, yeah. He, That's uh, fantastic. He, it was super random. So I was, I was, uh, I never expected when I was growing up that I would be a 20-year-old um, Mormon living in Utah playing Dungeons and Dragons on a Friday night, (laughs) but it was like the best thing ever. I totally like, I I was borderline trolling the guy who asked me, I was like, what if I have like a minotaur with a powdered wig who plays the harpsichord? Could I do that? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll be there. I will be there. And I loved it. (laughs) And so that was, uh, that was 3.5, correct? Yes. And I didn't understand anything that was happening. Oh yeah. No. Um, uh, I've said it before. I'm not going to read it for our listeners, but like I started because my wife found out she could play a pirate in 3.5. Yeah. And like, I, I was the kind of guy I'm like, well, I play world of Warcraft, but at least <laughs> I don't play dungeons and dragons, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's how LARPing was for a little while. And I'm hoping something comes along. That's so nerdy that we can like LARP a little bit and get into it. Cause LARPing starting to get, get a little hot and I'm, it, I'm excited. Yeah. It is, and I feel like, because I've watched a lot about it, my wife uh, follows a YouTube channel that is about LARPing. Like, she just goes to a bunch of LARPs. Like, she went to, a like, a Harry Potter-themed one mm-hmm. that was actually at a fucking castle. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. A pirate one that uh, consisted of three, like, pirate-type ships. The Galleons. The Galleons <laughs> uh, off the coast of Germany oh my God. Uh, for, like, a month. 
And I'm like, that's really cool. But then also like, then I see videos of people running around in a forest with like spirits, Halloween store cloaks, throwing sandbags at each other, yelling lightning bolt, lightning bolt. And I'm like, I can't do this. You know, I'm, totally, I'm totally down for that. <laughs> I, I will totally do that. Like throwing sandbags. At me. I don't know. Lightning bolt is so awesome though. Oh, uh, it is. Yeah. There's actually a place in uh, Utah called Evermore. They they do like a live action. Yes. Uh, oh my God. That that's the that's the theme park one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's my, in uh, Park City, I think. My wife has like binged watched YouTube videos about that, and she's just grabbing me and shaking me like, "We have to go." <laughs> yeah, you, you guys need to go. I I don't understand how they can afford to do that. With that was quality. the other thing. I'm like, how is this like oh, open yeah. for so long? Yeah. Yeah. So you need to go see it before it inevitably goes bankrupt. (laughs) Well, they they just announced that they're like expanding and they're going to be doing seasonal themes each like quarter. Like they're going to change the park completely where it's like it's winter time so everything has snow on it and all the storylines are winter themed and now it's spring and so all that's gone away. It's crazy. See, we all secretly want to run. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. What'd you say? Yeah, it's okay. I was just saying, like, it goes to show how, like, being nerdy is becoming so mainstream now, and I kind of really love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you told me 20 years ago that the most popular movie of 2019 was going to be an Avengers film, I would have called you fucking <laughs> insane. <laughs> and Or the fact that, like, you know, D&D would be so popular that, like, Dudes like Joe Manganiello is on Colbert rolling D20s. Gosh. Or Matt Mercer ran a game for Stephen Colbert. Like, I'd call you insane. Yeah. So who is y'all's favorite Avenger? Oh, God. Oh, Spider-Man. Oh, I don't even know why Spider-Man. I thought about it. Yeah, it's, it's Spider-Man's my favorite superhero all over. Okay. <laughs> uh, mine's Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah. I'm a Doctor Strange fan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Like, like, one of the things that, like, I have wanted to do is, like, try and run like an avenger style like game my friends were mm-hmm. just talking about that we were considering making a bunch of superheroes and not just like movie superheroes but like all the comic book ones like my friend adam wants to make a moon knight character oh no like, cool. and we want to use full D stuff too so it's like Thor's obviously a sorcerer with barbarian multi-class and it's like we want to go full out in there and <laughs> we're yeah, I feel that's that. something that we're planning on doing it's just for fun yeah oh yeah just just (laughs) i've never played mutants in masterminds but i was holding a book earlier for like a free rpg day thing and it seemed pretty cool like it is i have played it actually before my friend ben dm'd it for us and Mm -hmm. the character creation was the most difficult thing in the world but after you got past that like I was able to make someone who could go invisible and she was able to teleport to people and heal them. And that was all her superpowers, but it was the most useful. <laughs> <laughs> and like, if you wanted, you could literally make anything that you wanted to. And it was a really neat system. Yeah. yeah I've, I've only heard good things about that, that yeah. system. Cool. I haven't played it myself though. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, let's let's do it. Let's do a few questions. That seems to be a thing that sure. we do on these interview episodes. <laughs> uh, so I, you, your name online is Norse DM. So I have to assume you're a DM. <laughs> yes, yeah, I am. I am forever so, DM. <laughs> hey, that's I love that line. Uh, why do you like DMing? Uh, you know, I, when I, I, you know, I found Five E. Um, I was walking in downtown Utah. 
and I saw the big sign. It was like right when it was coming out. And it was, uh, I think it was, uh, you know, Snur Iron Bellies on the cover is, is Fire Giant mm-hmm. King. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to learn the rules for once because I really don't understand what's happening in 3.5. But there's this volume of material. And so getting into the ground rule was really appealing to me. I think I think the main thing I like DMing about <laughs> is being able to see the, the looks on players' faces when you do these big reveals. Um, yeah. And I always think, you know, villains are more interesting than the heroes. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, like getting to like kind of change costume and be someone else during the session. You're not like stuck as a character. You can, you know, be the innkeeper and then you can suddenly be the lich like 20 minutes later. Uh, I, I had, uh, I was explaining Dungeons and Dragons to someone earlier today and I was trying to explain to them what my role was and they're like, so who are you? I'm like, I'm everyone that's not them. <laughs> <laughs> I usually say like, um, I was like, if it's a video game, I am the console. <laughs> I am yeah, the machine. No, that, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that one doesn't work for a lot of the people I'm just right. explaining D&D to. They're like, what's a console? I'm like, all right, well, oh, I, I, okay. Let's start from ground zero here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, so do you, when you're running games, do you like running like your own homebrew stuff or do you like running like pre-written adventures? So, you know, um, so earlier this year, we finished uh, level like a level 20 campaign. Uh, Roughly half of that was homebrew. So we did Storm King's Thunder and uh, we, you know, we were going to go do something else. And I had this kind of side villain off that um, they had sort of interacted with. They liked them, but there's so much going on in that adventure that you don't want to confuse them by throwing this extra person in there constantly. You don't want to shoehorn it in. So I stopped. I was like, well, you know, what would happen if uh, this person was able to go and do their own thing kind of uninterrupted and how, how would they rise to power given that the adventurers have to basically go take the actual, you know, big, bad, evil guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, from there it was like all homebrew and, you know, you go back to that, that question about why I like DMing. I had this, uh, one of our players was, a was, a am uh, a, I'm a totally script the pronunciation, but it is an Asimar. <laughs> is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Asimir, okay. Asmar, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, so his angelic guide got replaced like three levels in and nobody really took a question about it. And they started calling that person. His name was Talasio and they started getting bonding with him, calling him Tay Tay. And this whole time I had like these copious amounts of notes about how this character is Loki in disguise. And there's this big prophecy and stuff. And that was the most betrayal I have ever seen on a group of people's faces in oh ever in my life. But it was the best thing ever. That's so, fantastic. It, I think after having done all the homebrew, I think now that I'm writing, I prefer to work within a box. I like the idea of running an established adventure and then customizing it to match my group. It's a lot easier. Yeah. takes a less mm-hmm. time. Um, but when so, you're yeah, doing I, homebrew, you I, can I'm happy really you say that. It. Because like I, I've heard people say the reason they don't like write running pre-written campaigns is because they feel like they're spending more time learning someone else's campaign than mm-hmm. them actually working on their own. I'm like, ah, I don't feel like that's how it is, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I told my friend, it's like, this, he really doesn't want to play pre-written campaigns. It's like, no, I just, I just want to be able to do everything on my own. I'm like, well, you know, the beautiful thing about the pre-written campaigns is that a lot of this doesn't have to be true <laughs> mm-hmm, right. you can decide what is and what isn't when it comes to the game itself and like you don't have to worry about all the history of Waterdeep. you can just have it be a city 
that is in your world. You mm. could have it be a city that you control. So it's like, yeah. that's the beautiful thing about pre-written is that I, I'm 100% mm-hmm. with you because, I mean, that's what I did with my store, Peace Thunder. Mm-hmm. It's adjusted yeah. to my canon, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's still Faerun, but it's different. And it makes it so much easier to, when you have that base already there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, people are so quick to to criticize these 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 um, official adventures, but when you're on the other side of it and you're writing something that has to be general enough that can flex to to every table, you start to understand. You're like, oh, okay, and then you mm-hmm. also start to appreciate the really minor things that they put in there, like those very 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 tiny random things where like you're reading against the giants and there's an invisible wall and there's this altar with the with the drow that if somebody does this like on a full moon at this time a god will be summoned and you're like mm-hmm. somebody can take that or mm-hmm. they can pass the wall and nothing ever happens and it's not disruptive but you you can tell what they're passionate about writing mm-hmm. and that kind of brings up i actually had a little question as well oh yeah how does running like either the pre-written ones or even your own homebrew like help with writing your own stuff well that's a good question um you know i think i find that um i try to hide things like uh, you you naturally work in things from your private campaigns mm-hmm. that you've kind of tested with groups into your writing you remember going ah oh, you know when i read this scene in storm king's thunder i felt like levels one to five shouldn't have happened in one night so i stretched them out <laughs> so why don't we make the level three adventure a little bit longer because people are getting new powers. They're, they're getting that sort of thing. And also just you get ideas, you get events, you, you can put some of your characters in there as NPCs. Um, Mm -hmm. And in a way it kind of like immortalizes them, which is really cool. You you look at like Luke Gygax can open the player's handbook and see Mel's acid arrow and be like, that's mine when I was a kid. And I want to be that one day. I want that to happen. Like, like the fact that like Joe Manganiello can open up, uh, a book now and see Archon, or that Matt Mercer's home plane of uh, is referenced in a Matt book Mercer now. Himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, Matt Mercer himself's in a fucking book. Yeah, he's in Water <laughs> Deep, yeah. and like that is yeah that I feel like that it, for like being a D and D writer is like the fucking dream. Yeah. Somebody out there has to have used Matt Mercer's character and turned him into a supervillain, right? Like somebody oh, that yeah, NPC 100%. became the villain. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then Matt Mercer shows up we're fucked. <laughs> like a 20th level wizard, like with he, casting wish and stuff. When he speaks, you hear at least 20 different voices. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And all of them are beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, I, I, that makes a lot of sense of like, yeah, of course your home stuff is going to make its way in there because like you've worked on that, you know, that mm-hmm. stuff already. So yeah, it makes to- total sense that you would use that. And then, you know, also pick up what you're doing from the other ones. Of And I like what you're saying there. Like you put the little stuff in there that they might miss and stuff like yeah. that. That's for me, some of the best stuff in books is when I'm reading it. I'm just like, Oh, I hope someone fucks that up. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, were you going to say something? Yeah, it was kind of similar to how when you're just writing books in general, because Trevor, you do that. And Occasionally I've been known to. <laughs> where it's like, when you're playing a D&D game, especially one that's like a pre-written one, uh, you're kind of finding ideas from these pre-written stuff, and then you kind of absorb them, and you see what works and what doesn't work when you're playing as is, and then you mm-hmm. insert that, right? So it's kind of similar to where like, if you're writing a book, you read other books and figure out like, well, what do I like and what don't I like? And you go mm-hmm. from there, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I I was planning on, and I think homebrew becomes the foundation for like good written content that's third party. Like um, our adventure, you know, as much work as I put into that, one thing I love about DMing is that everything is cumulative. So if you don't end up using that thing, you can save it and run it or reskin yes. it. And, it, you know, every time you read, like you t- you mentioned Clouth, like when I was researching um, for non-spoiler uh, official adventure, you know, I started researching Clouth and reading those old Ed Greenwood articles where it's talking about how Clouth like eats baby red dragons mm-hmm. and how he might mm-hmm. randomly like fly out and knock a wizard tower down because he's paranoid about other people coming to, to power. And then he just goes back home, takes a nap and has like 20 wands on his wings with like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's super cool. And then when you write something later, you go, oh man, that, that Greenwood article I read, it would be really cool to put in somebody that has the same spell that Clouth does and they are like a wizard eating babies or something. You probably shouldn't do that. That's probably a little Yeah, don't eat babies. Maybe don't. Uh, <laughs> well, it's Halloween almost. So uh, yeah. uh, just a couple. Um, <laughs> it, it is, they're like Advil. Right, yeah. uh, um, but it's, it's one of those things that it starts to pay off later. I, I really want to do something with our homebrew campaign and kind of restructure it so it could be run by anyone. But that's a lot to chew on because it's tier three and tier four and putting those precautions in is uh, time consuming. Mm -hmm. And and I do feel like that is something that like, especially for pre-written content is something that I appreciate is when there are the safety nets they suggest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I do know that there are some D&D adventures where it's just like, yeah, they walk in here, they're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. like opening a Baldur's dead. Gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do what I want mm-hmm. or, or I will execute you. Yeah, no, I, I was reading that like, Jesus Christ, all right. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Baldur's Gate. Exactly. Um, so, you know, so you, you've got this kind of mixture of like doing pre-written campaigns and your own like homebrew stuff. Mm-hmm. What does your prep look like? Uh, say we're going to do a game tonight what what do you what do you got going on behind the screen so if there's a game tonight i have started prep at least a month earlier oh wow Uh, so i'm a super big fan of foreshadowing um that's kind of one thing that's been harder as i've been writing more is i have less time to dm because i'm one of the people who i am not an efficient prepper uh there are people (laughs) who who will get ready for their game they're like all right 10 minutes game time here we go and they like write down something it's total improv and they can run a game and you don't know it and i have improv entire sessions before and my players don't know but but i know and i feel like it comes off better when i prep so i think um you know i matt colville talks about knowing an npc's motivations um I try to know all my NPCs' motivation. I see who they're likely to see. And then I think, who, who are they likely to interact with three sessions from now? And how can I start to plant that so that that's a rewarding experience? Oh, if wow. I know someone's coming back up, I want to remind them that that person exists so that they're not, so that you're not like, he's standing in the smoke and they're like, who is this again? And like, <laughs> you're like, it's the hey, guy. my group, how you doing? <laughs> right. You're like, you, you stop, like it totally breaks immersion. You're like, this is the dude that, that killed your brother, remember? And they're like, oh yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Yeah. Okay. We're going to finish your monologue. Um, but yeah, I, I used to do more writing descriptions. 
um, and I would type them out, make them all pretty. Nowadays, I do kind of more like bullet points of things I want to cover. Like I'll add like foggy room and mm -hmm. dusty tree, and then I'll I'll weave that into kind of a, a an on the spot thing. But yeah. so I do that, and I usually like playing music. Um, oh hey! Yeah. So I put tons of music cues in there, and uh, we're gonna rig our, our living room up with some sirenscape and some speakers, and, and, yeah. and get that ready. But uh, I, I I'm no surprise if you watch my uh, Twitter stuff where I'm like previewing the BNG boxes is that I I love the immersive DMing in it, and you know handouts not I, so much. I don't do those as much because they're a lot of prep up front. But when I have them. I, I saw on on your on your blog a picture of like your group and like you had are those dwarven forge tiles that you have? I have spent a <laughs> an irrational way more than irrational. We don't have any kids, and I turned towards my wife and I'm like, "Babe," I was like, "They're running out of floor tiles, and we need these because we're going into a giant stronghold, and I need more floors." And she's like, mm, "How much are they?" And I'm like. You know, we need them. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, all right. And I do the budgeting, and like, like it's it's fine. So we're like, eh. she's like, okay, you can you can do this, or uh, you know, just over time we bought them so much. So then now, when the hellscape thing came out, I was like, hey, remember how many times we paid for shipping before? We should just go all in on this Kickstarter. <laughs> and she's like, that kind of makes sense. So what were you thinking? I'm like, Ooh, come My on. <laughs> My group and I got in on Dwarven Forge during their first Kickstarter, and that was the one where they like were like, "We're going insane and putting way too much stretch goals in," because I got a shitload of tiles for really cheap to the point where I'm like, "I can't buy anymore now because I can't rationalize it. I, th this is all I have." <laughs> yeah, I'm praying if we ever get robbed. That like they don't understand the value. Like I would love a burglar to just come through, turn and look at like a a thing with a bunch of plastic. Like hey, they got some really weird Legos over here. Oh fuck it, leave them. He's like yeah, yeah. Take my six year old computer. That looks big and fancy because of the lighting. And yeah, and then I hope they just walk away. So 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 when you're gonna do those tiles like do you have it drawn out already what it's going to look like have you like sat there and placed mm -hmm. them out yourself to know what they look like or what do you, i build it beforehand i use the terrain trace i i spend uh, we play on saturdays um, i mm -hmm. find that helps my prep a lot because then i can kind of cut things off a couple hours before session i say all right i need to get this this and this and if i have time this room would be a great one to have in dwarven forge i don't do all of it in dwarven forge just because you know you're sitting there with all this stuff you start to get a little bit tired, you, you get a headache or something sitting there around like 20,000 pieces. I don't have that many, but you know, what I mean. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll build it ahead of time and I'll use a terrain trays and I put it like somewhere accessible and I'll set them out in the moment um, or cover it with like a big tarp. That's what I did for like the okay. final theater. I had like a black tarp over it and my wife promised she'd never look at it. I don't think she did because she got hit by one of the traps. So. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, my wife drew out this giant map one time on this huge battle mat and she, mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed in the living room for like two hours of drawing it. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah, but that, 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 that's cool. Like I, I don't, I have those tiles. I have all the battle mats and everything, but I always find that myself doing theater of the mind more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um. But I'm like, man, I really should use those because I yeah. have them. You should use them. You should definitely use. Yeah. yeah and, and I like, 
I try to avoid the dead time. I think I could build that stuff in the moment. I could draw things. I like to do everything ahead of time so that way I can keep people at the height of the moment that I don't kind of dull everything down when I roll initiative. I want to say roll initiative and I want to show that battle mat and it makes sense. It's what I've just described and I get to wow them because I've spent an hour drawing it instead of 10 seconds. I can actually put in details and stuff. I can put in tables. I can put tiny terrain on there and stuff. How many times have uh, we run a game that is just a circle? (laughs) Where are the doors? They're there. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You're trapped. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I can appreciate that because there's been times where I like, (laughs) I go from, okay, so my mat is actually big enough, so I'm going to make it all this size. And you guys are actually one inch. You're actually all half inch sizes. And so it's like I've gone through the whole nine yards and they're like, oh, this all makes sense. And they're looking at it and they have no questions whatsoever. And then when I'm not prepared, I'm like, all right, so this is a rectangle that's connected to this other hallway here. (laughs) No, it's not. I just don't want to bother erasing it. And (laughs) and it's like, they they pay attention. But at that point, I'm like, man, I wish I didn't even bother drawing it. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I definitely appreciate the, the prep work that goes into it. And I really think that I should follow suit in that because I think taking the time to ahead of time and especially taking foreshadowing into i was actually gonna take us back and talk about that one like i i do love foreshadowing also and but that idea there of like knowing like okay are they going to talk to this person in like a few sessions and like Mm -hmm. reminding them about it that i'm probably going to take to heart because yeah one of my biggest problems is my players end up being like who is that again yeah Yeah. so yeah so to like give you oh i'm sorry You go Go for it. Uh, I mean, um, so if you look at like my extensive OneNote for my last campaign, like there's a lot of big struggles. And when I was writing it, I was like, "Uh, I want to do something that has a theme. And I wanted to really go with like fire and ice, you know, is Surtur and Thrym and stuff. So the encounter actually, like the very beginning opens with like two giants. One is a fire giant. One is a, a, a everlasting one. And they're like caught in a struggle over like they're two different things. And, uh, you know, the, the cataclysm of the campaign, like I knew that five levels down the road, that if everything went out right, there would be a battle between Surtur and Thrym. And so it was described in like a very similar way, but with like way bigger proportions, which was cool. And that's why I think like railroading isn't super bad if you do it in a way that you give a lot of branches that people can take. Yeah. I mean, if at that point, I wouldn't even really call it railroading. I'll just call it like giving tracks. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> no yeah. matter what, like that little thing that you're that they're foreshadowing is gonna be on like all of those tracks possibly, unless they go way off base, which I mean happens, right, Trevor? <laughs> <laughs> Storm King's Thunder in Chult. Yep, I understand. <laughs> right, yes. Oh my gosh, you're in Storm King's Thunder and you're in Chult? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. We'll talk wow. about that after the show. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were playing Tomb. <laughs> no. No, I finished that one a year ago. You could about to play it again. <laughs> We're in part two. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's one of the parts where you're like, you need outside help. You need to go to Sly Flourish's website. You need to go and you need to say, hey, somebody help me. Cause there's 164 locations and I am a new DM. I need help. And mm-hmm. well, that, that actually transitions nicely into the next question I got for you. What would you say to someone who wants to get into the hobby? Like, say you're talking to someone, they're like, oh, this sounds really cool. What, what, what do I do? How do I, how do I start playing? Mm, I, 
I, you know, I've never played Adventures League. I think that's a good way to see what a sort of like what a game is um, when mm-hmm. you're going in. Home games are very different from Adventures League. There's a little bit more freedom. Um, yeah. What I would suggest is go to your local gaming store if you have one. Um, find somebody who's playing a game. Ask them if you can watch and watch a game be played. If you're, if you're nervous about that, go online, find a stream and see how the game is played. And then at your first chance, be a player at least once. And if you can't find a group, be the DM. <laughs> do it. You don't want to do it? Do it. Because if you're thinking about playing and you're that committed to playing, you probably will make a good DM. And trust me, every DM starts out knowing nothing. Like when you go from player to DM and you open that book and you start reading it sincerely, like there are some players who are really good players who actually do. And they read the combat section and they come prepared. They eventually become DMs. Because when you open that book and you read it seriously, you everything starts to click. And you're like, oh, I guess my DM was doing that once. Or wow, this is what they mean by a cone. It's not just standing loosely in front of the bad guys and blasting. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's how I found my first group. I said, I guess I got to lead a group. And I didn't want to. And I ended up really, really liking it. And I haven't been a player since. I'm going to sound clip that whole thing out and anytime someone asks me now i'm just gonna play that for them because that was the fucking perfect it. thing you could have said there like yeah, that yeah it. no I, I i think going to a game store and trying to talk to people or just watching streams like yeah that's a great way there's those are two perfect ways to get into the hobby now instead of like how it used to be it's like go to a fucking back alley store go to the very back corner and there's a little pamphlet that says dungeons and dragons on it yeah yeah. it's and it's very out there and honestly and then when you do have a group pick a time stick to it get everybody to agree to the time because if you start flexing on that you know back when i was in you know going to church really regularly and stuff they used to have a saying that if you miss church three times in a row you're going to fall out basically. And that's kind of how it is with D and D. If you skip three sessions in a row, your group is in trouble. You need to like yeah. bring it back. I mean, that's, that's, it has to be a priority. And when you get one person, it's not a priority with, sometimes you have to have hard conversations and sometimes you just got to keep playing with three people and mm-hmm. you have, you get something like the adventure zone and you end up having a blast. Yeah. That, um, that was one that got taught to me like a few years ago. I actually haven't talked about this on the show where like I was really strict about people being at my game where it's like if so, if one person couldn't show up, I didn't do it because I didn't want them to fall behind in the story. Oh, really? And I remember telling uh, an acquaintance of mine about that. And, and he was just like, if you're if you're not playing because one person's not there, then the story's not progressing anyways. So what's the point? And I was like, fuck, that's re- yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Like, you're if like, it's not progressing anyways, yeah, I know it really was. It probably helped that I'd had a few drinks in me at the time. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was it was that kind of moment where I'm like, okay, so like pretty much my rule is as long as I have more than two people, we'll play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's worked out really well. And we've kept a pretty great thing. I mean, my current group has been going for over a year now. Our Pathfinder group has been going for two and a half years, which still blows my mind. Yeah. And, and a way to kind of keep players too is every once in a while, have a guest come and play. Uh, it's, it's a lot more feasible at low levels, but if you have a guest come and play and hang out, that person gets interested in your group. And then as soon as you have an opening, you have somebody ready to insert in. Yeah. And, oh, uh, like you know, that. you can play or, or play slightly with a larger group than you'd like. Mm-hmm. And if someone drops out, you don't, I'm, I think the ideal group is five. I probably would not play with more than seven. Uh, it gets too bogged down. 
I um, have DM'd a campaign of nine players. It's rough. <laughs> it was real rough, but man, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of fun. It gets crazy. You can't do as much individual bonding for the characters. You can still tell a great oh, yeah. story, though. Um, I, I think the only thing that saved me was we were doing Star Wars, so I had in my head that idea of like the Star Wars like panel wipe to another scene. Oh, yeah. And so like I just kept doing that to, between the players because, my God, it's like, all right, you've landed on Cloud City. Everyone went and did something different. Oh, I was God. lucky if two people went the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Um, so... Um, I think I think the I think we got pretty good who, who, who good idea of who justice is. Yeah. Uh, but oh yeah, yeah, probably. I, <laughs> let's take a look at what our DMs Guild spotlight is this week. And justice, I think you're going to tell us about that. <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, so step right up. I like to explain it. It is a milk themed carnival horror adventure. That's uh, terrifying. It's, it's designed for. It is absolutely <laughs> terrifying. Uh, it's designed for four to six characters of fifth to seventh level. So you can play it as fifth level, sixth level, or seventh level characters. Um, it's got, uh, for you DMs out there, it's got a bunch of different attractions. There's 14 big ones, uh, including one that's a sideshow with five different sideshow variants. Um, I put 10 new monsters in there, including the terrifying big-lipped Abba lover that has a smooch ability. Uh, it's more terrifying than an Abeleth. <laughs> Uh, there's five new magic oh, items. God. Uh, there are some horrible, horrible descriptions of monstrous milk options that you can give to existing monsters. Um, Jack Kaiser, this uh, this uh, horror artist, he does great work. You should look him up. He told me over email that he regularly researches things uh, for horror, and he's never been disgusted. But when researching the stuff for my milk clown, he said he gagged and had to stop for a minute. Sebswake uh, writes into difficultyclass at gmail.com and says, what formative experience did you have with milk? And can you tell us anything more about your upcoming release, Step Right Up, and how it feels to have successfully made your artists feel sick in their research? Uh, yeah, so that totally makes sense. Hello, Sebs. Uh, <laughs> um, it feels awesome, for one. It feels like a personal accomplishment because he is a horror writer. I feel partially like he was ready for it is true. <laughs> um, milk has next to no experience in my life there was one moment where i was a kid in like third grade where the whole, actually now that i think about it maybe i repressed this um, <laughs> there was a locker that smelled so bad that they had to line us all up and figure out what was the problem and it turned out that i had put chocolate milk in my locker deep in my messy locker like weeks ago and oh. it had gotten so bad that it had stunk it up but i took it before they found it out what it was and <laughs> i saved it and like i made two of my best friends in my life that day when like we were sitting in the bleachers and i poured it out on the bleachers and i and i can't say that that description has not somewhere made it into this adventure. <laughs> and I also will ruin a few other foods for you, such as creamed corn and cottage cheese. Oh, no. Oh, Justin. So, yeah. They're bad. Oh. <laughs> I regret putting this segment in the middle of the show. <laughs> oh. There's also some hand, there's a handout of a flyer, which is really cool, and no milk on it. And uh, there's, <laughs> there's a uh, fortune teller um, that has uh, printable tickets that you can give to your players. And 
Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's super cool. All the attractions are like two parts. So the first part of the carnival is like super normal. So your characters can actually go there. They can play games, win prizes. Uh, and then after something happens in the adventure, each of the attractions is spoiled. Um, and they all have a bad version. God damn it. Uh, yeah, sweet and spoiled. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're really cool. Some of the spoiled ones are, are hideous. Uh, and oh other ones are God. relatively less hideous. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the fortune teller one is is no milk involved though. So. Okay. Oh my god. I'm just <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm distraught. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the cover right now and uh yeah. It's yeah, yeah it's pretty good. It's just like the faces. This just looks so perfect. <laughs> yeah, the idea was to do something kind of like American Gothic, um, mm. but with milk originally. And then we we're like, eh, let's make them really twisted and yeah. Uh, so uh, as of this recording, it's not out yet, but when this goes up, this will be available. It comes out Tuesday, correct? Yep. Yeah. Tomorrow, uh, October 15th, as soon as uh, the person at the DMs Guild uh, presses the button, um, which I assume <laughs> is a button in some dark room somewhere where like she has to jump over a pit of snakes or something. Um <laughs> It'll just, be available. It just says, Post it. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. Milk uh, shoots out of it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do. You have to do the milk oh. or something. <laughs> um, the milk does get warm at some point in the adventure. Oh, um, no. Let's see. It, it'll be available in print, which is really cool. This is my second time in print on the DMs Guild. It's my first time on something that I solo wrote, which is really cool as an accomplishment. I did find a couple typos, and they are torturing me at the moment. Oh no! Uh, but it's whatever. It's whatever. I fixed yeah, it in the PDF. Yeah. That's all that matters. Um, it's twelve ninety five for the adventure as a PDF. 20 for the soft cover and then if you get the soft cover you can add on the pdf for five bucks uh, so i think nice. it's a good deal uh, how long would you say it takes to run the adventure um it really depends i think if you have a higher level group you can uh, each attraction has a point value basically loosely based on xp um so if you have a higher group you could potentially put in more encounters more attractions of course the more combat you have, the more of a slower mm -hmm. game it gets. Um, you can always up some of the difficulty by adding a second milk clown or another milk mime. Um, they have invisible Justin. weapons. <laughs> they have invisible shoes. You're just saying these things like they're normal. <laughs> uh, did you see the art for the milk clown? Yes, I yeah. did, and it haunted my nightmare. Yeah, he juggles bile. He juggles oh! bile balls. There's a point where you have to cross a uh, tightrope, and over a ball pit and I have this oh. monster that's like a staple of my annual Halloween games called the tickle monster. And it's this thing in cutoff jeans <laughs> that has 10 foot long fingers and tickles you with like psychic razor damage basically. And he's hiding in the ball pit. So as you try to cross the milk clowns, like chuck up these bio balls and take turns throwing them at you, trying to knock you into the ball pit uh, where the tickle monster is. Have this you guys is... ever seen that like any Japanese game show where they're like walking across a narrow bridge and <laughs> yeah. shooting cannons at them? Yes, yeah. Very much like that. that. And I love it. <laughs> this has been the most disturbing DM skilled spotlight we've had. I've gone from like, oh man, this is the best guest. They're like, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely tapped into some of my twisted side. Uh, I'm hoping. 
I, you know, I had that SpongeBob meme on there where he's like sitting there drinking coffee and he's like thinking. And I was like, man, my name is Norse DM on Twitter. I need to release some more Norse things because my portfolio is super twisted at this point. Like, I have one tiny Norse product and then like devils and like milk up chug. All this is like the worst thing ever. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if Wizards is going to like me. <laughs> Well, uh, if you want to check out some milk clowns, some bile balls, and some tickle <laughs> monsters, you can look up Step Right Up on DM's Guild. Oh, it's available right now. Go get it and have some just disturbing fun. Is fun a word to use with that? <laughs> utter enjoyment. Oh. There's lots of puns. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Allie's insta-buying it. I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, no, uh, DMs, that DMs girl's probably took a lot out of me. Uh, I can't even do a transition. Gets me uh, excited. <laughs> topic number two, which I feel is very appropriate for having you on the show, is writing third-party content. Yeah. And so this is like full disclosure. This is something that like Allie and I have been thinking about getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we since doing these bookstore games where we're running them for strangers stuff it's it's allowed us to do more short term writing and it's one of those things like hey we really like doing this and like maybe other people might like what we do um but there's you know it's like okay how do i even start going about doing that to do it? how do i format it how do i get it up there so like when you decided you know like last year or whenever it was like i want to do this like what did you do to start doing your content mm, i messed up a lot last year um, <laughs> i was like hey i'm gonna throw my notes up on reddit and i started that way and then i found out people wanted to hear more about it and i was like well i wonder if i could sort of write something that's like an adventure and um <clears throat> i used um natural crits home brewery to kind of do my own layout okay and, okay uh, uh and stuff like that um, since then, I mean, I've, I've learned a lot. If I was starting out now, the first thing I would do is have an idea, um, make it something you're passionate about. Um, hold on. I wrote stuff down. I can't prepare. Oh, um, hey. so yeah, have an idea that you're passionate about, uh, because if your passion's not there, it's going to come out in your product. Um, you, I mean, you'll put something out that you don't care about and, and, and that's going to show, um, manage your expectations. Uh, something like 93% of the uh, uh, things on the DMs Guild, if not more, don't get meddled at all, yeah. which means they sell less than 50. Um, and that's even if you're doing a little bit of multi-level marketing and you're asking your parents, please buy it, you know, things like that. Like, <laughs> it still might not because I definitely ask my parents, hey, please buy this. Um, they don't understand it. Uh, <laughs> especially too recently. Um, let's see. Uh, that, that's what happened when I when I put up my short story on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Like, I just put it up there just to see how it works. Also, my family started by. I'm like, I don't know if I want you reading that. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I did a horror story. I don't know if I want you reading this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, my, yeah. It's it's definitely one of the concerns. Um, I get connected. There's some great places uh, with DM skilled people. Uh, we have a Discord. There's a Facebook oh. creator circle, um, and there's lots of channels and stuff. You can ask questions. Pretty much everybody's 
helpful. It's honestly, it's, it's like a wholesome community. I'd say like people are very, I mean, they recognize imposter syndrome is a thing and they're very supportive. They want to help you out. They'll help you get connected. Um, well, I mean, can, just, just interacting, like, I mean, we're, again, we haven't posted anything. We're not in this community yet, uh, yeah. but like just interacting with you and Brian Holmes, like has, it's been some of like the best Twitter interaction i've had yeah. uh since doing this podcast stuff yeah. like you guys are great and you are like completely open to helping like we told you at the before we started recording that we were thinking about doing it. you're like oh i'll help you with that yeah like that's it, that's fantastic i respond to dms uh on twitter so if you send me one as long as you're not like one of those sexy spammer bots uh, <laughs> and that's i gotta tell secret. you if, yeah if you only send, yeah that's <laughs> your, your simulation if your first message is hi and nothing else i assume you're a sexy spammer bot and i want to <laughs> so shoot me a message say hey i'm a creator i'm not here to try to get money from you or install a virus <laughs> i'd like to know how to do a map and so i'll tell you about cartography or something um i'll tell you this if you want me to read your stuff it's it's going to take me a little while to get that yeah. um I'm a slow reader for one. I have a lot of stuff to read already. But if it's like a page or two, like send it. You know, I do editing, you know, all kinds of stuff. We, we are all really happy to help each other because the more people we get to buy the DMs Guild stuff, the more the market grows. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in the last year, the quality of content oh, yeah. is shooting up. That, that hottest bar changes so often now. It used to be like stagnant. Yeah, I remember. Five. And, and like, like almost weekly too. Yeah, like when we started doing the show, like we both love DMs Guild, and so that's why, like, one of the first things we thought of for a uh, segment was DMs Guild Spotlight. Yeah, and at first I was kind of worried because I was like, oh, are we gonna be able to get something that we like every week? And yeah. man, it has like, I there's been weeks where I'm like, I don't know what to pick. Right, like, there's yeah. too much good stuff. There's like literally like if you saw Chad Lynch's College of the the Percussion that he put today out, um, you can yeah. tell how passionate he is about drumming in that product. It, it, I know Chad; oh, he wrote yeah. on Hell on Heist, but yeah, he wrote like there are like drum drum licks at the bottom that mm -hmm. different drummers he know like picked them, and he's like, "What's your favorite drum lick?" And then he translated it to like music. Um, oh wow! And you could play their favorite licks, and it's super cool. I, I did I did love recently like last week spotlight was we weekend at Strahd's and I, yeah. I loved the guy that wrote I can't remember his name Anthony Joyce and Oliver Anthony Clark. Joyce yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he just tweets out like really this is the one that gets to number one yeah are you serious I thought that was it, so good <laughs> it is so cool and and I love that we're getting a lot more original layouts like if you look at the layout it is like an 80s movie vomited on a page it, um, I was I was so impressed with the layout of that like. I, I mean, I, I heard about when he announced it months ago. I was like, I'm going to buy this day one. Yeah. But like when I opened up that file, I was awestruck with like, dude, you did this so well, like so perfectly themed. I think if anybody's going to be the next Guild Adept, I think Anthony will be way up there. He, he's very professional. His his work is quality. He's he's done CCCs, uh, community created content, which is like a, like Adventures League writing, basically. Um, but you have to be sponsored by a convention. So he's he's definitely done his legwork, um, and he's he's always very um, very kind and and uh, well composed. I, I think he'd do great at Wizards. So. 
That's awesome. Um, so I, I, I realized we probably should clear up the reason why we're saying third party content and not homebrewing is because something that you pointed out uh, before we were recording that for DMs Guild, like you do have to do it within the world of D&D. Like yeah. it has to be in an established world. So it has to be Faerun. Uh, is Eberron allowed now? It's it's of the official books. So Ravenloft is on there because of Strahd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Eberron, yes, because of Wayfarer's Guide, and mm-hmm. there's already some Eberron adventures. Um, the Forgotten Realms. Um, I don't think there's any others. There are ways to get around it. Um, I th- well, I think Ravnica counts. Ravnica is, yeah. And, yeah. you know, Ravnica is one of those things where, like, the market just isn't there as much. There are some people doing Ravnica settlement, uh, settlements. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> settlements. Um, but uh, there's not a lot of consumer interest. Um, That's what I've noticed, like, because. Uh, as someone who really wants to do a Ravnica campaign, there's like not a whole lot on the DMs Guild. Yeah. There's like really three or four one shots and then like a lot of little supplements and then of mm-hmm. course like the four big supplements, but that's it about really. You should get on and do a Ravnica settlement. And be, so nudge, nudge. <laughs> do what's missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, make it make it general enough that it could be something else. I mean, honestly, like some sort of steampunk uh, thing would probably go really well. Um, so you you were saying like do something that you're passionate about. Yeah. And so like, like I, I <laughs> just his face. Why? I wish you could see his face. <laughs> we're gonna have to like do a video one of this one time. Just so. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so like yeah, I when. Uh, I mean, I lost my job uh, last month. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I was like, okay, I've got time now. I, I have a part-time job. I'm going to try and do some adventure writing. And so I tried converting one of them that I did um, for uh, the bookstore game, just mm-hmm. over, just written down, just so yeah. that it was, because uh, it, it, I used a map off of, uh, God, what was it? Uh, was it Xanath? No, it wasn't Zan- um Volo's guide. He's a the beholder mm-hmm. cave map. Mm-hmm. And so I had like a layout and everything. I was going with it. But like I didn't finish it and I didn't yeah. keep going with it. And like really it didn't hit me until you're talking about that. I was just like, well, that's I was just testing it. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. my heart wasn't in it. It was just there to see if I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, so, when your heart is in it, sometimes it's hard to finish out. Like, like if you look at that that hell adventure, it, it's a tier four. There were times where like I was like, ah. Oh. I was like, gosh, I am just finishing the train station. I was like, I know I'm going to have to rate, uh, make like 12 train cars now. Mm-hmm. And I have to make them all interesting. And it, it feels daunting at times. But then you find things that get you excited as you're doing it. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm totally going to have like a, a post office arm that just destroys your packages every time. <laughs> um, and then you get excited. You start writing it. And. Like I, I like for me spe- specifically. I, I don't know about you. Like when I was gesturing to Allie, like anybody could see me say it. Um, the like so here, only only Justice and Allie can see this, but like you're just th- th- this is this is my notes. That is a whole session is just one post-it note <laughs> with bullet points. And so you're one of those like, guys. I am. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I wish um, I could be you. Well, like I, I used to do a lot of like prep and stuff like that. And I was listening to an interview with Chris Perkins and he was like, I only, um, prep 15, the first 15 minutes of a game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that sounds insane. I'm going to try it because you know, I have this probably like daddy issue thing with Chris Perkins. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and so like, 
right yeah and so i i tried it and like literally the first session i did i fell in love with that style yeah, yeah. so but now like it's kind of like the opposite way where i'm like i'm having so much trouble fully writing out mm -hmm. all these things knowing what to put down for people like how did what did you go about doing to like know what to do to write it like what information you need to put how to like put stuff where like what what did you gosh do? you know i'm i'm someone who kind of like throws stuff at a piece of paper a lot of time but i i think the outline is always key i think the outline is key to a good session but i think outline in writing is so pivotal and you have to have a clear direction you want to know um so like when i was doing devil's advocate i knew i wanted the five elements of a contract uh, it might be four. Don't don't test me on that. It's been a while. But uh, I was like, okay, and I know I want something, uh, a checklist. I want a checklist of something I want in each of them, so I have a consistent style. It can't be rambling. I want something for a player in each one. I want something for a DM in each one. And then as I was reading, I you know I came across those uh, like little lore snippets. I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to put a lore snippet in there. So I'll do that at the beginning of each section. And then when I finished that, I was like, well, this book isn't enough for somebody to want it. What else can I put in here that would grab somebody's attention? Oh, how about it? You, you got to really kind of think what's the purpose of this project. Um, mm -hmm. it's harder with an adventure because you have to think what, what situations do I want to have? But for like other supplements like that, I think checklist and outlines. So I, I, I fully agree with the outline thing. Like when I'm writing books, like I, I am an outliner. I have to like Stephen King's like outlined kill story. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. um, so like, what does your out, like, let's say for like an adventure, like you're going to sit down and you're going to outline an adventure. Like what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so you, you want to, you want an, it's kind of like a writing a session in a way you want mm -hmm. a eye catching beginning. You want it to convey the theme of your adventure right from the start. Um, you want to say, you, you want the villain to be clear if there is one. Um, I know that I'm going to want to put some sort of puzzle somewhere, um, but I kind of try to break it down into acts. Um, so if I'm writing a longer adventure, I want to know what does the villain do if, if nothing interrupts them and what things have to stay present in order for this adventure to stay together. Um, so if I realize the villain has to do something at the end of the first part, they should not be present or they should have an escape means. And then if they're killed, you need to think who is going to take over and finish that thing so it can still be done. You have to basically like, uh, maybe it's like writing code. I know nothing about code, but you have to try to break <laughs> it. Basically you have to yeah. stop and think. So if you look at my Hellbound heist adventure, I was like, okay, well, heist has very kind of, strict guidelines more or less it's you get a setup phase where you get information you get all that stuff you um then go to uh the heist itself you get to plan a little bit you do the heist and there's usually a twist in the heist and then you have to have some resolution so if you look at that that train adventure um the ending is more or less set in stone from when you begin but it's the character's control over how they go about it if they even discover it honestly there's a chance everybody just doesn't do well. And, it, <laughs> and that's an ending too. I mean, it's hell and it's totally valid for the DM to say, all right, you all died and you spent too much time eating hot chocolate with the audio <laughs> in the third car to figure out why you blew up, but maybe we can try this again next week. Um, but kind of sticking to that, knowing the more the schedule of events and then providing situations within each event that can kind of provide variety, uh, I think is key. 
it also depends on how big your adventure is too. You look at like Storm King's Thunder, there are four chapters in there that is one branch of the story. Mm-hmm. And it makes a high replayability. When I'm doing something like the train adventure or step right up, I have a little bit more flexibility. I did part one, part two, part three, and part four. And when you get to part two, it's wholly dependent on the attractions you chose because I needed it to be flexible enough that people will still want to visit the attractions and that the DM gets to choose the ones they want. Um, so you find a way, some motivator to make them visit that. And then when you read the adventure, you'll figure out what it is. Uh, it would, mm-hmm. pun intended, it would spoil it if I told you it right now. <laughs> uh, so like uh, when, when you're saying like, you know, like you're coming up with like the, like the big hook, the villain and everything, you're just kind of like throwing ideas at a page. Like you're just kind of writing it out yourself. Like, okay, I want this there. I want to do this. Just like getting your ideas out on the screen. It's kind of like you start it. You give some time as you're thinking about things, you might get inspiration from other areas and figure out whether or not they fit or not. I think mm-hmm. what's important to do is when is try not to add too much and it's to stay in the yeah. game because you're going to get ideas and you'd be like, oh, but what if this? And you want to go back to that motivation of that villain. Does this make sense that they're doing this at this point? Um, is this fun? And are the players going to understand what's happening? Because it's you kind of got to like you got you got to make it simple enough I, I loved logan because it was a small story with a big event surrounding it yeah, yeah. um as opposed to like batman versus superman which was like that <laughs> villain, that, that is the most railroaded <laughs> villain there is all the things that had to happen for that to take effect yeah too much um yeah. and and i think that's like one thing that i'm having trouble doing like i i said very early on in this this show's run that it's like if you're writing if you're prepping for a game and you're writing out what you want the players to do you're writing a book mm-hmm. like and so because that's where i come from with outlining uh mm-hmm. outlining where i'm like okay what i have to think of all the things the characters could do here <laughs> yeah that's a good I, like when you do you like let's say you have a whole outline put down like on a piece of paper right do you almost work backwards from there and figure out the different possibilities that players could probably go down or do you like flush out different possibilities that they can go down? No, I think it's more the first one. You kind of have what you want. There was, you know, I was looking this up just the other week, um, trying to see what other people think about if I could break it down into a science that will make it easier for me to write in the future. And it's not always there. Um, Mm -hmm. It really depends on the idea you're doing, but somebody wrote, write the beginning, don't write the middle, write the end. Um, and so you need to provide paths to get to the ending that you have in the adventure or endings. Um, and if you read the, the Descendo of Ernest, you'll kind of get what I'm saying. Towards the end, there's a lot of different possibilities, but everybody has to end up at that moment somehow. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you can't finish the book. You need yeah. the ending, but you don't need, you don't need the middle. I love that because I absolutely am terrible when it comes to writing the middle. So if I Good. just write the beginning and end, right, yeah. the middle, I can do that. <laughs> Allie's first published thing. It's just like page one. Here's how it starts. Next page. Good fucking luck. Next page. Here's how it ends. <laughs> you could totally do that, yeah. Um, so I, I think that is really that i know that's eye-opening on on our side um yeah. hopefully like the listeners are finding that too um and feel free to ask find, questions find me on twitter and just ask me seriously oh yeah absolutely right right now it's at uh is it your twitter name is at justice armin right yeah at, at justice underscore armin 
That's right. So yeah, it's probably you, some clone of me somewhere. It was probably me like ten years ago making a Twitter and not remembering it. So now it's just a milk clown. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> so, do you find that like for DMs Guild having to do stuff that is constrained by those you know realms that they have published? Do you find that like constraining, or do you find that kind of freeing? I think it's more freeing. I think sometimes it's hard because you need to do a little bit of research, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's nice because you have an opportunity to write something that's adjacent to official material. Mm-hmm. Technically, when you write a character, it's owned it's owned by you, but the rights become D and D's. So they could potentially oh. use your character. You look at like we talked about Anthony. Anthony has this series called the Arab Orcus, and I think it's super cool because he's making a recurring villain that is set in the realms, and it's very cool. And I really want to do it myself and like put him head to head or something, mm-hmm. and, but. And it's so cool. You get the opportunity to make money after their cut, which is Mm -hmm. sizable. It's 50%. Yeah. Um, But people can make, people are paying their bills on the DMs Guild right now. Not a ton of them. It's not something you should go in expecting Mm -hmm. to do. Um, Most people just use it as some side income and have fun. I make money and then I I just invest it in the next project basically Mm -hmm. um, because I have a full-time job. But um, when you when you're writing that sort of stuff, you can think, okay, well, man, I really liked that adventure, but I wish I'd gone this way. And you can go, whoa, I could totally write something for that and put it on there. You look at, um, what well, I don't remember their name. Uh, I think it's like Forpole Press or I don't remember, uh, Velour RPG, that's who it is. They do these guides to help people through. Um, oh, I've, I've had, I think I have theirs on Curse of Strahd. Yeah, they are solid yeah. guides. Um, they kind of railroad parts to help you out and digest them as a DM. And they have helped me, especially in Waterdeep Dragon Heist, where there's like 80 NPCs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't remember the specific place in Curse of Strahd, but it was like, I used, was like, oh, crap, I don't know what to do here. And I looked it up in the guide and like the guy was like, okay, so this is going to suck. <laughs> but <laughs> right, yeah. there's one of those moments in like every Wizards of the Coast adventure where you're reading it and you're like, oh my God, how do, how do I have 20 giants attack a settlement? Like, mm-hmm. what does that even look like? Yeah. Um, and I'd like, uh, w- probably one of my favorite, like you're running Dragon Heist right now. Um, have you gotten to chapter two? Uh, we are, we just got to chapter three. Okay, so for me, chapter two was kind of confusing because it was just basically like, good luck, just let some time yeah. pass, do some things. And, you know, there was that small section in there that's just like, here's some quests that we're not going to give you any description of, just the quote of what it is. But I went to DM's Guild and found someone that had actually made those into full, like, several page adventures each. And so, yeah. like, I went and bought the Greyhands one. And because yeah, it it it's awesome. It totally makes sense. It speeds everything mm-hmm. up for you. It saves you time. Like that's that's the cool thing about the, the DM skill. You can make your own things, and you can also help people work through existing things or flesh out parts and, that. And I think that to me is probably one of the best parts of DM's guild uh, is the ones where it's just like I'm doing a pre-written adventure. I don't know what to do, and then someone's here. Someone's on there is like, hey, I got you. Yeah, and sure. I like I don't know what I would have done without that that supplement for dragon heist like i i don't think i would have done as well with those adventures if i didn't have a little bit more structure around it because i didn't mm-hmm. I, I i didn't have time to write them out myself 
Yeah, yeah. No, I totally feel you. Uh, what, you, you got you got any uh, things about DMs Guild? Yeah. Okay. So you have finished writing. You've got someone to look over it three times over, and you're almost there. And the person is about to jump over the piss snakes to hit the button to publish it, right? So <laughs> do you have, like, any advice on how to, like, advertise, put it out Oh. There, like oh marketing yeah marketing. oh gosh it's hard it, it it's really hard honestly um there there's a pretty sizable uh, part of the dm's guild um that i think just probably is good well-written content that has trouble even reaching the surface usually good content actually gets noticed to some extent um i think you need it you need to commit to a social media i like twitter um twitter mm -hmm. is business friendly more you get a lot of creators on there um it it's time. It's a lot of time, honestly. You could write something really impressive and catch someone's attention and they share it. Um, like, uh, you, you know, I think Chris Perkins liked or shared Weekend at Strahd's originally. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that got a lot of attention. And then some of it is just so hit and miss. Like you'll go on Reddit and try to like, because you can't post the product there on Reddit and yep. they'll like destroy advertisements or they'll just tear your product apart or dox you or something. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Um, so you need to be careful, but at the same time, it, marketing is something we're all still figuring out. Um, we've talked about the possibility of somebody getting paid through royalties to help market. Um, I mean, I'm, I think I'm pushing 2000 Twitter followers. And even then I think it's, I think I still need another 3000 to actually build up. I have 14 email subscribers. Like yeah. two of them are hey, me from trying I subscribed. To awesome. Yeah. I got that um, Gallahorn. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's time. It, it's honestly time. It's, yeah. it's doing, it's catching the moment at well, the right time. And, and it's building and up. You have a website. You got Norsdm.com. Yeah. Um, I wanted to. What, what do you, what do you, what do you, uh, who's hosting that? Is that WordPress? Like space? WordPress? Oh, yeah. Man, that's a good looking WordPress. WordPress. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I spent a long time in it. Uh, uh, yeah, I had no idea about that stuff. I really, it's probably still the wrong format, to be honest. And and it's it's a little bit clunky, but I really wanted somewhere that in the off chance that somebody at Wizards of the Coast looks at my stuff, I have a link ready that says, I did this and this is what it is. And I think that's really important as a, as a new creator to have somewhere to land that isn't predicated on coming at the right time. Something where everything is there, it's updated, and it's mostly just your portfolio. I'll, I'll tell you this, as someone who literally today researched you, um, <laughs> that is a great website because yeah. I felt like I knew who you were after good. reading it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. That makes me feel good. Yeah, and, and you can collect some data that way. Like if you get an affiliate link, you can track how many uses a discount got. You can make a link that's a 0% discount. And so you could say, oh, 20 people who clicked this bought that product. So you start to get an idea of how many okay. people coming through my website are, are tracking, you know, are using these links. Um, and if you're kind of willing to do a little bit of data analysis, you can start to figure out where to focus things. Yeah. I mean, like even with us doing a podcast, like we're still figuring out like how to do this and stuff like that. Like I've talked to a lot of other podcasters and stuff like that, which again has been like, like with the content creators, like right. it's been a really nice community. Like I haven't found one <laughs> asshole yet and I hope not to. Um, but like, yeah, like we, you know, we have right now like 120 followers on there, which is not a lot. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, we're, Friday is a thing you, you need to be engaged yeah. to like, you can't, nobody wants to, somebody put it in a good way. They were like, uh, Ashley may, she's a creator on there. She wrote like this awesome social media guide on the discord. It's pinned. 
um, it's um, super helpful. Talks about like the different pros and cons, but she says at one point, she's like, you need to talk to people on your Twitter. You need to post something that is not your product is nobody wants to sit and watch 20 minutes of commercials, especially when you have such a small portfolio as me. Nobody wants to see the milk clown 30 times a day. They want to see the milk clown once some comments and then they want you to be a person be nice to people there was a there was a kickstarter i can't remember and i'm not going to out them here because i'm about to kind of bash them so yeah, it's not cool worry. uh yeah no they, like um it was a kickstarter for a book and i heard the pitch of them like oh that sounds really cool so i followed them <laughs> and about a week later i had to unfollow them because my timeline was just full of them pushing right. ads yeah. and like they were doing it to the point that like my timeline, I've, I follow 700 people really need to clean that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they were taking up my entire timeline and I'd only yeah. interacted with them once. I'm like, that's insane. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I spoke with uh, the social media manager once I spoke, I say spoke like I'm out here meeting actually webcam is not <laughs> far away. I'm in Waco, Texas. They're like an hour and a half away technically, but I was emailing with her and she was giving me some, she was telling me some tips and I think they were really helpful. The one that stands out to me the most is she said, um, for every one post you promote yourself, you should have two to five that are just interesting thoughts or some sort of information and retweets and comments don't count. So that means you need to think about content for people to interact with like a poll or a picture or, um, and for an individual creator, you don't put your brand there. You don't see my Norse DM hammer as my face. You see my face because you want to know me. You want to know the person behind it and you want to feel like a real person, not a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, for a podcast, it's different. You're multiple people, you know, yep. you, you, you know, and it's engaging with people saying hi, saying being positive, not getting into flare wars and stuff like yeah. that on Twitter, especially that's why I chose Twitter is because it was a more positive place and, yeah. and, Arguments are very hard to have on there because you got like what two hundred eighty characters. Good luck. <laughs> Good <laughs> yeah, luck. like I I recently like on my own personal account like I posted a reply and it people were really upset about it and like I'm like I'm not going I'm not here to argue with you guys I'm just I would like to hear your perspective on it and mm-hmm. I ended up having a nice conversation with someone about it. Good. Yeah. And, and I think that is definitely a good thing about Twitter that can help you with that if you're trying to promote yourself mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, always remember that, like, don't be a dick. Don't post things that <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, no, this is my opinion. I don't care what anyone thinks. Like, well, yeah. then people aren't going to, you know, look at your stuff. <laughs> I try to be really wholesome in life. It's hard to always commit to it. it you have to be a person. Sometimes things get to you in a way you don't expect. But I think Twitter, mm-hmm. it, it, your online presence, you can really control. And I feel like social media, you get to see the best and the worst of somebody, not the in-between. I like to show a little bit of the middle and all of the good and, you know, be something positive to people. Um, I think that the giveaways have helped, honestly. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to afford some dice sometimes that I can just mm-hmm. send to someone. I'm a little mad at FedEx. Their prices are slightly ridiculous. <laughs> um, but being able to tack my cover on a Halloween giveaway so that when I share this post of dice that people look at for a second and they see milk themed carnival or they might click that cover, they might click it and then maybe they're going to wonder about it. So at some point tomorrow, when I announce this, I might later in the day, remind people about the giveaway, possibly get a few more retweets from that. And then, Hey, this is out right now. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that, 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 uh, that, I feel like that is really good advice. Oh yeah. Like yeah. it, I, even on the side, like for podcasts, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to take a lot of that to heart. Do it, that, yeah. that sounds good. 
Um, well, uh, anybody else, either of you got anything else to put about third party content? That's what I have. I'm good. Uh, no, just do it. Same with the <laughs> Do it. Find something you're passionate about. Put it on there. there it's not going to be perfect. Get it on there. You can always update the PDF later. <laughs> People um, who already bought it are just going to be grateful that it's even better when they, than when they bought it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably the best piece of advice right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After they've slammed you with like five one-star reviews. Sometimes <laughs> even good content, somebody will go through and rate everything you own one-star. Oh, yeah, no, like I, I, I remember I made a really popular comment on Reddit and then found that someone had downvoted everything I had yeah. ever posted. <laughs> that's like, how oh, you know right. you're making it. When you get right? the haters, yeah, you get the yeah, haters, yeah. you're making it. Uh, well, if you have any questions, dear listener, about writing third-party content, anything to do with DMs Guild, don't uh, message difficultyclass at gmail.com because we're not the experts. Go to Twitter and find Justin Arman at Justin or Justice. Sorry, I called you Justin. My bad. It's okay. Justice underscore Arman. And uh, he, he, he seems happy to help you out, which I think mm. is a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm. And at some um, point, if I get a thousand questions, I might say, I need to stop. <laughs> I'm locking my DMs for a bit. Let me answer these. <laughs> uh, so we're going to move over into listener questions. And for the first one, we're going to go back to, to Seb's wake, uh, whose first question was, you've been involved uh, You've been involved in and created best-selling DMs Guild products. You have the voice of a Valkyrie, an awesome new job, a lovely partner, great D&D group, and one suave chap. <laughs> What are the specifics of the contract you signed and what devil oversaw the signing? <laughs> I love Seb so much. He's so uh, kind all the time. Um, honestly, I, I don't know. I think I think so much of it was luck. I, it, it really is being at the right time and the right place. But at the same time, there, it's it's putting yourself out there. I know that there's probably a writer who's really good listening to this right now who is probably thinking, my writing isn't good enough. And there are days that I wake up and I look at somebody else's stuff and I'm like, how did I, how did I get anything? Like, do, you know, did this actually happen or am I going to get (laughs) caught at some point? Is somebody going to say this sucks? Has anybody else noticed this guy can't write? Like, um, it could happen. Textbook, uh, uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, and I think that, it's been a lot of hard work at the same time. Like uh, my wife will tell you, she's a teacher. There was a day that she turned to me once and she said, and I was writing devil's advocate and I was writing it like every night and she turned to me, she goes, is this what it's like being married to a teacher? I was like, yes, boo. Like, yeah, that is what it's like. it's like, 100%. And it, she works harder than anybody I know. And I, when I get home, like I get home from my full-time job and I, I pop open the laptop and I'm writing. And for me, like writing is not easy. It doesn't come naturally. Um, it's those sentences. I will read them 10 times to make sure it sounds right um, before it ever reaches an editor. And even then there'll be some typos. So like just there's, there's times where like I'm, I'm out in the den and I'm writing one of my books and like sometimes I just say sentences i'm writing out loud and my wife just goes what i'm like no i did sorry book stuff i just don't mind me i'm insane (laughs) it's and yeah and honestly like it's it's taking chances it's it's it you're gonna you'll you'll mess up i'm sure like i I put a lot of budget into this one you don't have to have any money to start something on the dm's guild um you can put a little bit in of it i'm not gonna lie having a custom cover does help um 
because that's the first thing people see. And the reality is people judge books by their covers. Every oh yeah. Day, oh time. yeah. We, we, we work, work at a bookstore. We, we understand. Yeah. <laughs> I have people yeah. come up all the time that I'm like, Oh, this is a great book. They're like, Oh, is it? It's, I just, I just look cool. They're like, like, why oh, doesn't it have a picture on the front? You'd be like, because the art, artist was poor and they write really well. Um, but I mean, but you, you, it's, it's hard work. And uh, I think to some extent, uh, my education helped me, but like mm-hmm. I said, I'm a public health undergrad. Uh, the, literally, the most writing I did before Devil's Advocate and Hard Hunt was a 13-page paper on why Batman could beat Superman under certain circumstances. I got a 97 on that paper. I'm still proud of it. That is the most I wrote before I got into the gem skill. <laughs> That's fucking beautiful. Yeah. I have the paper still. I'll, maybe I'll put it on. I want to read game. that. Yeah. I want to read that. You send that to me. It's it's not even good, but yeah. I don't care. I want to read it. It better be something about a kryptonite bullet in there. That's what I've been telling people for years. It's all about more. It's all about moral fortitude. <laughs> um. So I guess uh, Seb's his uh, his answer is he's declining to tell us what devil it is. We'll find out one day. It's definitely but, Mephistopheles. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I mean I can't I can't go straight to Asmodeus. I'm gonna go for the second the second runner up. You know. The student is like his first runner up. <laughs> uh, so uh, the second question we've got is from our lovely listener, Dusty. Hey, Dusty. Um, so Dusty writes, uh, I'm going to be running a weekly D&D group at a local library starting in a few weeks. I know both of y'all have experience running games for strangers. Uh, I know it was talked about a bit in a recent episode, but I wanted to know uh, what would be a good session to run. I have a couple of one shots stored up, but I wanted to know if there was uh, any recommendations for a specific one shot or any others uh, that might set up some good games. Um, see, the difficulty about running things for strangers is that unless you have it confirmed that they're going to come back week to week to week to week, or if you're going to be getting completely different people each week, that really depends on that answer. Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. I, I do feel like one shots are the way to go though. Yeah. Like we're, it's not an adventures guild thing. Like you don't know who's going to show up and what they're going to have. So mm-hmm. doing one shots is definitely the best way to go about like, I would love to say to do weekend at Strahd's cause that one is made to do one session mm-hmm. thing. But uh, the, kind my of thing is like, group for that one that's the thing that's the thing yeah like i want to do that at the bookstore but i'm like you have like nine year olds i have nine year olds <laughs> they don't know what the heck the goonies are <laughs> yeah. and i'll confess i've never seen the goonies uh <gasps> i'll be honest i was born in 1993 so like well so so is alec <laughs> you say, yeah and, and i yeah, have not I'm, seen those I'm, I'm the old man from the 80s here <laughs> i am dreadfully uncultured is what i'm saying i will love the music though oh, <laughs> Just, yeah yeah. Um, I mean, I, there are actually a lot of Adventures League stuff out there that mm-hmm. you can look at. Um, and if you are running even like half the people are coming back week to week, I would even suggest maybe running that because mm-hmm. you don't have to, for any reasons at all, stick to Adventures League guidelines. I mean, there's a whole rule book and everything. You don't have to do that. You can run it really more lax than Adventures League ever would. But mm-hmm. You could do that because it is set up in a way that you can tell the story without everyone being there constantly yeah mm-hmm. i think that might be the best bet for yeah. that particular situation yeah that 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 could be a good one i i'm also gonna say dusty like i've played some of your stuff you are good at writing things like 
I would say give writing your own stuff a try. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I will tell you, as someone who found this out the hard way, it is hard to guesstimate how long you have while writing. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, I know I have two and a half hours to run this. And I, it's, it'll be, suddenly I'm like, oh my God, it's seven o'clock. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not even halfway through the, the stuff that I wrote. <laughs> yeah. I, I would stick to two, two encounters, maybe. Yep. Uh, don't plan for more than three at all. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah two hours honestly yeah mm -hmm. that's yeah that, that's a short time uh but yeah i would say take a look at dm's guild uh take mm -hmm. a look at adventures league and maybe try writing it yourself i think mm -hmm. either either one of those is going to be a good way to go and mm -hmm. you're running it for people yeah oh yeah, yeah oh yeah that's another thing absolutely bring pregens with you mm -hmm. hands down for many um, <laughs> uh so Brian Schmidt writes in. This is Brian Schmidt that uh, gave us the title of broadsheets for our news and not nudes. <laughs> it's a different podcast. Yeah, you're gonna want to so block him if he's sending you nudes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now I'm thinking about. It. I made that joke. I'm like, what kind of? How do you show nudes on a podcast? That doesn't even work. <laughs> well, we're all DMs here. We're them. Great at describing. <laughs> uh, so so Brian Schmidt wrote in. And uh, says, I have a question for you too, and not for you with justice. Um, I'm in a campaign right now where we play theater of the mind until combat breaks out. There have been a handful of occasions where I've started out loud, and I uh, what I planned to do as the DM was setting up the battle mat. Surprise, surprise, he sets out the opponents in positions that uh, rendered what I said and that I was doing useless. Um, it, let's see. Further, furthermore, uh, he uh, held me to what I said because I had already said it. Uh, I got smarter than that, and I've stopped saying anything <laughs> until uh, he sets up the mat. However, uh, he's never—he's never ever sets the enemies out in a way uh, that you could uh, get them all in a one line or thirty-foot cone or something. He deploys the enemies in the most strategic uh, positions possible every time. Uh, I'd love to hear your advice, uh, both for players in this situation and also what DMs might do to check themselves before uh, behaving like this. Okay. Um, that's a several part question. It is. And I, I, I <laughs> almost ran out of breath writing, uh, reading it, but yeah. um, I feel like this is a really good one to talk about because mm -hmm. like, it touches I, a lot of things. It does. And honestly, my feeling on it is like doing that. It's kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's that kind of sets the precedent that maybe it's the DM versus the players, which that shouldn't be your first feeling towards how to run the game. Um, but based off of what that question was, so to speak, it, it feels like that's how it mm -hmm. the DM feels like. Yeah. But um, exactly like how you handled it, like if the DM is setting up things that's exactly opposite of what your plan was, instead of just never saying your plan, wait until he says roll initiative because maybe you might roll a one and give you last and then your plan would be different anyways it's true <laughs> so just wait until like keep your plan inside and then think about it and then that's when you take the chance and opportunity to really see and pay attention to the whole fight that's going on and especially when he lays it out like ask him before he even lays it out like can you describe the room mm -hmm. <laughs> because mm -hmm. um I mean, I do that sometimes. Sometimes I blatantly forget straight out what the room is and where everybody is. And my players are like, well, where is he? I'm like, oh, oh, um, he's in the far back of the south wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just either ask him, like, 
where things are before he lays it out. And then also, like you did, wait for the mat to be put down before you say anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Justice? Uh, a few things. Uh, so, uh, as a DM, I like to ask the question, what is your intent? Um, a lot of the times players will say, I want to make this check or I want to, or I want to do this and this, and they'll give some long winded thing that I don't understand what they're trying to do. And I don't want to just <laughs> carry out that event and then them realize at the end of it, that's not what I wanted to happen. So I'll ask them, what is my intent? So I think it, from a player point, if you're feeling like you're not being represented in what you're doing, you can convey your intent when you're asking. You can say, hey, it sounds like these two guys are close to each other and I'd like to cast burning hands and get both of them. Is that possible before he ever draws the room or, or she? And he say it was a... Yeah, no gender specified. But okay, it's... okay. Before he or she draws the, the, the room, um, convey that you want to you get both of them. Ask if that's possible. Mm-hmm. And then if they lay it out or they say no, you can... I know people say talk to your DM. It is awkward. I'd say there's a way to gently do it in the moment and say, man, it's been a long time since I've actually gotten two people with this spell. Mm -hmm. I'm considering switching it. Would that be okay? Because I never seem to get two enemies with one. And that's kind of why I took it or, or to say I'd have more fun if I was able to get a couple of them, you know what I mean? Um, To kind of tell them this is what I'm feeling Mm -hmm. rather than accusing someone of something. I mean, because when you can convey, you like, yeah, like, Hey, I'm I'm feeling sad because this. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds like this, but that might not be your intent. Yeah. Can you help me get to a place where we can do this? I think those are the best way to approach those kinds of conversations. Um, and in those ways, they can kind of be done in front of the group in a in a respectful way. Because some people, when you pull them aside, one, it's super awkward to do it, especially when yeah. something something that should just be a game for fun, um, it feels really mm-hmm. tough. And from a DM, honestly. They might not be doing it intentionally. They might be doing it subconsciously and might get upset because they prep a lot every week, yeah. even though it, it sounds like they're not doing something super nice. But mm-hmm. um, the only way you're going to know is, is to talk with them. And if you can do it in a respectful way with like some qualifying phrases like that, you can do it in a way that someone doesn't feel targeted after session or something, yeah. you know, cornered in a room. Or That's like exactly what Trevor did um, in Pathfinder. <laughs> I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> Pathfinder, uh, you're a spellcaster, and a lot of your spells require like wisdom saves. Oh yeah. So oh my god. Point where you've like talked to your DM and you're like, hey, I'm kind of considering swapping out literally all of these things because I don't ever want to do a wisdom save spell again because literally every time you've done one, they've always saved. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what it's like. Yeah, uh, there was something. It was like it was a giant worm. That's all its job was do to eat, and I made it so make a wise. wisdom save, and it saved. <laughs> and I went, I, I, I'm a level fourteen bard, <laughs> and this thing outwisdomed me. Okay, so yeah, like, uh, and so like you brought that up at the table, like even in the middle of the game, a couple times, and your DM, the DM was just like, yeah, that's fair, actually, mm-hmm. and he was level with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, like for me, I will say both of you gave much better advice than my gut reaction, <laughs> which was to either be way too blunt about it and call them out on the shit or just make backhanded comments like, oh, that's uh, it's not, it's not just how I, physically uh, moved it after minis. you described it. Okay. Yeah, just physically like, move no, the minis. They're here. Yeah. And um, if they try to move them back, fight them in real life, <laughs> smack their hand. Um, but no, like, so as a player, I think both of you 
had like the great advice for like to do and, and namely just talk to the dm like we preach that on the shows have a conversation with your players and your dm yeah. and i guarantee you stuff's going to go a lot better um as a dm uh something that i've done because it, it got posed i can't remember which one of you said this where it's just like uh it's like oh are two of them next to each other mm -hmm. so one of the things that i've implemented in my game is a fate rating uh this is completely my own thing but i get questions a lot i was like hey is this here or oh is there a rope over here <laughs> and it's and when it comes down to stuff where i'm like it could be yes or no i have assigned a fate percentage to each one of my players and i ask them high or low oh yeah um and and this this That's originally cool. got inspired yeah it originally got inspired by ike our, our pathfinder gm and so i'll roll and if it's within that percentage where it, like it like let's say it's 30 percent, they say low between uh you know one and 30 it happens or if they say high between 170 it cool. happens. um and so like i'll ask them and i'll roll for it and be like Okay, it's within that. Yeah, there's two guys next to each other. Yeah. That way it's not like, is it's not me being like, oh yeah, I threw it there so specifically so you could kill it or no, I put them apart so you couldn't kill them. Yeah. It's uh, better implemented in Fear the Mind though. Oh, well, well, I, I feel like that could also work when you're doing battle map because when... If you haven't drawn it yet. Yeah, if you haven't drawn yeah. it yet and they're like, oh, well, are there going to be two of them next to each other? You could do it then and yeah. mm -hmm. space out like that. Um, but as a G as, as a DM, like, yeah, I, the way that Brian has described this, I would say, please try to avoid doing it like that. Cause like you said at the beginning, it sound, it makes it feel like it's DM versus players. And alternatively offer to DM a one shot, do the same thing back to them and say, <laughs> and, uh, be like, oh no, your character was actually back in the hallway. Oh, did I say it was six skeletons? I meant one Baylor. <laughs> Sorry. You fell in the pit. You didn't ask about the pit. <laughs> no don't do that that's uh, bad advice that's bad. Don't, do that. don't do that don't do that don't do that don't do that um any of you either of you got anything else put on that um just when you're dming if you're playing way too strategically take a step back and consider what will the monsters do like are they dumb are they smart are they being commanded by something or are they just running around like a chicken oh yeah if you're playing way too strategically and you notice your players are struggling because of that, take a moment and just kind of ask yourself, why are they playing strategically? Mm -hmm. Is it just because I'm trying to play a board game or is it because these monsters are too smart? I have preached yeah. for so long that not every creature is smart. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. all of them are trained tacticians that know the battlefield like the back of their hand. Yeah. Goblins fuck up, man. Yeah. <laughs> and like play the monsters respectively, but root for your players. Oh, like yeah. If you find you're trying to, to, if you want to give them a challenge, give them a challenge. But if you're trying to kill them, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the last question that we got at difficultyclass.gmail.com is from Erin. And uh, she has a fun little question for us to do at the end of the show. What are our top five adventure books? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I wrote mine. Down. Anybody want to go first on this? Uh, tentatively. Um, I want to say no particular order, but there is an order. <laughs> um, I'm going to say Ravenloft at number one, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. simply because I've both, uh, been in it. And now because of the bookstore games, I've kind of ran it too. Mm -hmm. And it's probably the most fun 
like I know that sounds weird with the gothic horror and everything like that, but it is. It's a lot of fun. We got a dude on this podcast with milk clowns. I think we get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, second is Stormy Thunder um, because it's so versatile. There's so mm-hmm. much in that book. And not only is it a cool campaign, it's also a great resource book for the mm-hmm. Sword Coast in general. And so I just love it a lot for that reason. Um, Two Annihilation would probably be third because it has the big dungeon in it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like running d and I've always wanted to do that. And I've, I've done like little snippets of it now and I'm, I'm really enjoying doing that. <laughs> um, fourth, I would probably actually say the the Court of the Dragon Queen and like the, the Tiamat adventures. So Tyranny the whole, both of them together? Yeah. They're Dragons. getting re-released. Oh, I know, I'm so excited. <laughs> Especially since Hydro is doing the art too. Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Um, mostly because playing in those i haven't ran them yet but mm-hmm. playing in them i felt like such the hero and like the the quintessential epic hero that saves the world in that game like and it, it was such a cool feeling especially since that was like my first D game i was in technically mm-hmm. it was such a good intro and that will always have a place in my heart mm-hmm. fifth is a toss-up between all of them but honestly, <laughs> um reading <laughs> Baldur's Gate, like the Descent of Avernus right now. I haven't ran it, I haven't been in it, but it's starting to get up there simply because of mm-hmm. the setting and the characters and Lulu and the comedy. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. It's 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 starting to be the one of dunes of fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> I should have added that. That would have been good. <laughs> Wish I had thought of that. Uh Justice, what about you? Okay, so I feel like Tomb should be in this list, but I haven't read enough of that adventure to know it. I do like uh, Aserak uh, mm-hmm. a lot, but um, since I don't have enough, I put five at Waterdeep Dragon Heist. As okay. much of a pain as it can be to run, there's so much flexibility. Um, I, I think it's got a lot of potential uh, as a source book as well um, to get you familiar with City Campaign. Like once you run this, you should understand how a city works in a game. Yeah. And cities are kind of scary from a DM perspective. Um, there's a lot of unfamiliarity. There's a lot of choice, recurring NPCs. So once you kind of run this, you, you'll come out a better DM, even though it might not be the best story um, of them all. Um, four, I put Avernus. Um, I, I think Avernus was a, was a solid adventure. I know some people don't like the Baldur's Gate part as much. Um, it has some points to it that are low, but there's also that Gazetteer in there, and you get the Dead 3 cult in there, which is just super cool. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I've spent so much time with Devils that one has to make my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, I had Storm King's Thunder um, for very similar reasons, and because, I mean, it's, it's the closest thing we get to Norse. It's awesome. Um, I think it's got a slow start. Uh, does, if you run yeah. it from level one, it's should... so slow. Your players can drift all the way to Chult. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a bit convoluted until you hit uh, like chapter four, um, which is so a little fast. too slow for my taste. Um, but I do like it. I think it's solid. Um, two, I had Strahd. The only reason Strahd isn't number one is because, man, I, I cannot spend a whole year in Spooky Town. <laughs> I can't do it. Like, I can't. I don't know. Hell is different. At least Hell has like. Not jack-o'-lanterns and stuff. <laughs> like, oh man, Strahd is so cool and everybody wants to show off their Dracula impersonation and stuff, but something about it. I just don't, 
I love Halloween. Maybe it's the desire mm-hmm. to keep Halloween in October to keep it sacred. But I get that. I get that. I can't. Uh, number one, I have lost my minds of Fandelver. Um, okay. It's, nice. it's linear, but man, it brings so many people to it. It's got a dragon in it. It's got some, yeah. some, it, I mean, okay. it's, you know it's what? awesome. I'm, I'm changing mine up because I, I, I didn't originally put it on there just because it said adventure books, but you know what? I, it's yeah, so good. I haven't seen Ice Fire Peak. I didn't look too hard at it, um, but uh, I bet that would probably be a tie. Um, but I Fandelver, like Lost Minds more. Yeah, Lost Minds, it's like, it's like saying you like Ocarina of Time. It's the first one. It got so mm-hmm. many people who love this series. It's still doing its job all this time after yeah. now, and it, it just hits all the high points, you know? Um, my dog that, wandered in. I was like, what the I, heck is that? I kind of love how like different our our lists are. Um, so number one for me uh, is Strahd, which you you and I have in common there. Yeah. Uh, Curse of Strahd, like I do I do understand what you're saying, Justice, about like I can't spend a whole year in Spooky Town, and I think probably the reason why I loved it so much is because we actually did run it really fast. It was okay. Um, yeah, I feel that. Like, like we we did really blaze through that one. Um, but oh God, yeah, you said bad Dracula impersonation. That's me all over. I fucking I love it. I love playing Strahd. <laughs> Yes, there's um, so much costume potential already out there too. We were dude, thinking about getting a dress-up box for our for our sessions, um, oh which is I, a bunch of random stuff in it. I want you to know this, Allie. I legit thought about dressing up as Strahd for the last oh, session. I sure. I was oh, I didn't I didn't have the funds to do it. It wasn't near Halloween, so I couldn't even find anything. I just yeah, that makes sense. When, when I when I saw that picture of Chris Perkins as Strahd, I'm just like that's perfect. Dang. <laughs> uh, number two for me is Tomb of Annihilation. I mm-hmm. fell head over heels for this adventure. It was one where I'm like, uh, you know, I'll pick it up and see how it is. And I went from buying it to getting a group together the next day. Mm-hmm. And I told him like, okay, we're going to we're gonna plan this out. It's going to be a month from now. I need time to read it. But I'm so excited for this that it has mm-hmm. to happen. And oh man, that was one of my favorite campaigns I ever did. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number three, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Yeah, I had so there. much fun running that one. Um, that, that final session was probably one of the most interesting ones I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and how everything played out and what we ended up doing afterwards is great. And I love the fact that like now the campaign we're doing now, one of the characters from Waterdeep is still there, but everyone else is different. So there's still that history running through it. Yeah. I, I have a lot of fun. And nobody that. plays Dungeon of the Mad Mage, do they? So, um, so much potential. It's but so, I don't so, know how many people uh, do it. I'll I'll do this aside. We did this is before you start you yeah. joined the bookstore. Um we did actually run uh Mad Mage for the bookstore games. We did it over like two months. Um and it was fun, but as I was reading through it, I'm like, this is really cool, but I can't tell a story week to week with this mm-hmm. and like for me at that. the end of the at the end of the night like i'm more worried about like how the players felt and like how a, the story they built is mm-hmm. um that yeah i was like yeah because i did give them the option like we could do mad mage and mm-hmm. none of them i because I, I told it's them a big commitment too yeah it, and it, i told them it was a level to 20, 20. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, you, the time from one to five is much shorter than that 10 to 20. You need multiple sessions to level yeah. up. You don't even yeah. know your abilities after you've had three sessions because combat takes like half a session mm-hmm. at 15. Uh, number four for me, though, is Lost Minds of Fendelver. 
I love that adventure so freaking much. Mm -hmm. I've run it so many times now. (laughs) I know that goblin cave like the back of my hand (laughs) until I realized I didn't the other day because I looked at the somebody made a 3D map of it and I went, I uh, I had this area down here. But I don't know how I expected that to go up there and then still. So I realized I didn't know it as well as I thought I did. That's what Dusty uh, should run. He should run Lost Mine and Fandelver. Oh, if he's yeah, got a, yeah, yeah. If he's got a regular group. Otherwise, do one. Um, number five, Avernus. I, yeah. like, as hard as I fell for Tomb of Annihilation before it came out, that's how I felt about Avernus. Like, oh my God. Like, as soon as they announced it at the Descent Live event, I'm like, I'm here. I'm in. Let's yeah. do this. Let's go. Yeah. I'm ready. And they went big for that. He's... They're getting good. Like, they're hitting their marks a lot more, I feel like, than those early ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah. Like, um, I when we were doing the, we did a review episode for Storm King's Thunder. And <laughs> when I was reading through, like, the history of it, um, because of how well the response was for Curse of Strahd, they pivoted how the structure of Storm King's Thunder was because originally it was very railroady. It was a lot more like um, Rise of Tiamat. Mm-hmm. And then after how Will Strahd did, they pivoted and made it more sandboxy. Mm-hmm. And ever since they've done that, and, and I will say like Avernus is more like linear than Curse of Strahd or Storm King's Thunder, but it's still got a lot more branching mm-hmm. paths out. It's like a tree still not a run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I I love that. We got the, the collector's edition book and it's so pretty. Nice. Yeah, at some point I'll do an unboxing for the uh, BNG one because I, I worked oh. that one. That'll be cool. Yes. Yeah. Oh, please do that. I, I cannot wait to see that. <laughs> it's super cool. Um, well, that is all that we've got for uh, listener questions. Um, but before we go, Justice, give everybody a reminder. Who are you? Where can they find you? What, what, what do you get? What do you got to... The, the, those, I don't know. I can't think yes. of the word. Plug. There we go. Plug. <laughs> Plug. Uh, yeah. So I'm Justice Sorbin. I'm a DM skilled uh, writer, editor, that sort of thing. Uh, don't look at my art. It's okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got a platinum bestseller. I've got something coming out tomorrow. Should be in the past by now. Uh, step right up. Carnival, <laughs> milk themed, horror, milk clown, milk mime. If you want to stab your players with invisible shivs, go for it. Um, Made of milk. <laughs> Throw some milk. Um, um, but yeah, you can find me at www.norsedm.com um, or on Twitter at justice underscore Armin, um, where I'm yeah doing D and D stuff, lots of D and D stuff. Don't ask me well, about my day job; it'll it'll bore the crap out of you. <laughs> well, Justice, thank you so much for being on the show. I this has been fantastic. I think Happy this, to be here. I, I'm hoping that the listeners got a lot of good information out of this one because mm-hmm. I I know we did. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, no problem. But uh, but yeah, Ellie. Well, that was our show for this week. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class and on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. So until next week, don't get killed by a milk clown. (laughs) (laughs) Or do. Or do. Or do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's up to you. Your choice. Thank you.